0: Sonic identity doesn't start with your ears. It really starts with what's between them. So having an understanding of sound science is really important so that you can understand the impact sound has on perception and behavior and what we can do sonically to kind of stack the deck to align brand intent with consumer perception. And there's also the sound art piece of it, which is really about the creativity so, while we want to understand the science, we don't want to uh, overscience it to the point that, that we've wrung uh, the pleasant surprises that can come, the disruption that can come by an artist having a unique perspective. So, it's really about what I call audio alchemy, which is blending this sound science with this sound art. And when you get it right, it, it literally does feel like magic.
1: Today on the Sound and Marketing Podcast, I have the pleasure of interviewing Steve Keller. I've had the pleasure of chatting with him several times, once over lunch, and I'm excited for you to hear what he has to say. Steve has a truly unique voice in this sound environment, and he has caused me to think in all new ways. Steve Keller is the sonic strategy director for Studio Resonant at Pandora, an audio-first consultancy that makes stuff. Recognized as one of the leading experts in the field of audio branding, he blends art and science into award-winning sonic strategies and creative content for a variety of global agencies and brands. With a degree in psychology and over 30 years of experience in the music and advertising industries, Steve's work explores the ways music and sound impact consumer perception and behavior. Recent experiments have examined cross-modal connections between sound and taste, The existence of audio archetypes, how bias impacts the aesthetic judgments of advertising professionals, and the impact of music, soundscapes, and noise on healthcare experiences. He is the recipient of the iHeartRadio Scholarship for Leadership in Audio Innovation and is currently completing an executive MBA through the Berlin School for Creative Leadership, focused on how brands can more effectively measure and predict returns on audio investments. Welcome to the Sound and Marketing podcast, Steve.
0: Hi there. I'm so happy to be there. And thank you for that uh, that introduction. I'm kind of blushing at, at, at hearing all of that.
1: <laughs> no, you're a smart guy and I'm not the <laughs> only one saying it. So, I'm I'm delighted for for um someone who hasn't heard some of your knowledge to uh, get to exper- experience it through the podcast. So, um why don't we just kind of dig right in cuz you're in you're in the the thick of the sonic branding culture right now what have you been seeing generally people interpreting sonic branding as well
0: you know i've i've been doing this work uh for for quite a few years now i mean i certainly wasn't the first but um i was uh was an early proponent and an adopter in the field so you know over the course of 15 uh years or so of my own personal practice I've found that there are some things that change and some things that haven't. Uh, so, so what's changed are the levels of conversation. I mean, the fact that you and I are having this conversation that, um, you know, I, I spend uh, a lot of my time traveling all over the country, um, working with brands on uh, strategy and identity. There's a lot more conversations in this space. That's the good news. Uh, the bad news is that old habits die hard. Uh, so, I very often kind of set the stage with talking about a few observations. The first observation is that you know, sound moves us. Nobody debates that. We understand the the power of sound. It's why we use it in um, advertising and in messages and in brand experiences. The second observation is that even though we understand that power, uh, we undervalue it as an asset. You know, we'll build standards around our... Our visual aspects of the brand, our type styles, our our tone of voice, and usually when we use that word, we mean you know from a copy perspective, uh, and we try to be very consistent with the reputation of the the brand um, in these uh, these sensory touch points. But when it comes to audio, we're much less disciplined. We're much less intentional. It's very often an afterthought. So there's an intellectual ascent to the power of sound, but in terms of our behavior around it, tends to not show a value. And so now that we're in this world of smart speakers and we're uh, confronted every day with spaces that the brands are operating in where you can't see them, uh, there's not even a a textual component. Um, Consumers speak to the brand, the brand speaks back through voice interactivity programs. And so there's a lot more interest in how does a brand kind of stand out how can they be distinctive how do you recognize them on this quote-unquote digital shelf when there's no visual input so these conversations around sonic identity have come to the forefront but we still have the bad habits of thinking about this from a tactical perspective so brands jump in right away to that thing that they hear oh i want an audio logo or a brand theme or a or a a jingle, or you know, how do I capture that um, that that brand voice literally? Uh, and what I'm constantly trying to do is get brands to step back from thinking tactically and to think in a broader sense about strategy. Because you know, I'm fond of saying that sonic identity doesn't start with your ears; it it really starts with what's between them. So having an understanding of sound science. Um, is really important so that you can understand the impact that sound can has on perception and behavior and what we can do sonically to kind of stack the deck to align brand intent um, with consumer perception. Uh, And there's also the sound art piece of it, which is really about the creativity. So while we want to understand the science, we don't want to, uh, quote unquote, um, over science. Uh, it to the point that that we 've wrung uh, the pleasant surprises that can come, uh, the disruption that can come uh, by uh, an artist uh, kind of having a unique uh, perspective so it 's really about uh, what I call audio alchemy, which is blending this sound science with this sound art, and when you get it right, it, it literally does feel like magic, even though we know it 's not magic, it seems like that because it works so well. So uh, that was, you know, a bit of a tangent around your question, but <laughs> I, I, think, I think to condense it down, um, what I'm seeing is that everyone is really interested in sonic identity, but there's this immediate jump to a tactical execution without really thinking about what's the strategy behind it, without understanding that what we're talking about is not necessarily um, what we typically think of, of of an exercise in music composition or even sound design, but it literally is a design process, and kind of bringing design thinking and those tools uh, to, to building out an entire identity system sonically for the brand.
1: Yeah, and I, I feel like it could go... It really could go far left or far right. So you could go very much in the tactical, this is how we work on branding, but it could also just go into the very creative process where there's no thought of strategy in the business end of it. So it could all be creative, which could be fun, but it could totally veer off of what that brand or that company stands for just because it's pretty or it sounds catchy or something like that.
0: Exactly, and I think that's the I think that's the point here. On the one hand, if I talk about what I call low functioning uh, sonic identity, if you pair a stimulus with a response, uh, that's kind of just a conditioned behavior. And from a memory standpoint, take five notes; they could be any five notes. You compare them, you know, with a brand as often as possible, as consistently as possible, and in as many contexts as possible, and you're gonna get the recognition. You'll get the recall, but long-term, if we're thinking about how can we fuse this identity or sonic DNA, if you will, into other parts of the brand ecosystem, how is it something that's not just at the end of a commercial? How is it something that's part of a brand experience or part of functional sound? Or used in a way that um, you know may push for certain behaviors, that's something that's far more intentional in design and isn't simply about um, slapping you know five notes or or coming up with a jingle that you're basically drilling into the heads of consumers so the the lower functioning audio branding tends to be more of just a creative approach, give me something, hey, we all like it we'll use it consistently and consumers will recognize it. Compare that with what I call the higher functioning um, sonic identity, which is really more about how are we creating something so that in every consumer touch point where there's an audio component, consumers are able to recognize a feel, an emotion, something that's a little more intangible. They may not be able to even put their finger on it. Uh, it could be, those five notes that they recognize, but it could also be just the feeling that they get from walking into a space and how that space sounds. And that gives you far more opportunities for long-term emotional building um, in your brand, building equity into the brand that way. Uh, And all the research shows that in terms of the the financial returns, that's where you get the biggest bang for your audio bucks. It's in that long-term emotional brand building.
1: So I've referenced this book before, but I'm going to reference it again because you were talking about how um, one way of doing it is like Creating a sound that you can't quite put your finger on, but you just know that uh, that it is that brand. There's a book called Brand Sense: Sensory Secrets Behind the Stuff We Buy by Martin Lindstrom, and he actually talks about Singapore Airlines and how they have a di- distinctive smell. And they've actually talked to um, I don't know if you call them patrons or consumers, people that have written on Singapore I, uh, Airlines before, and asked them to describe the smell. And they can't. They just know that's what you smell when you're on this airline. So I think that there's, there's a truth in that because, yeah, they, 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 if, they, if they were to re-experience whatever the smell is that Singapore Airlines does, if they were to re-experience it somewhere that was not the airlines, it would immediately bring them back to whatever their experience was when they were flying. So, um, yeah, that's, I think that if we could do that musically or sonically – that's amazing.
0: Well, and I think this is a an important point. Martin's uh, comment around Singapore Airlines and the, the smell is really kind of getting to multi-sensory components. And this is another thing that we often forget about uh when we jump to the tactics and we don't think strategically. Sound doesn't happen in a vacuum. I mean, that literally that's true you know, nobody hears you scream in space. Uh, But sound works with all of our senses. And there's all kinds of fascinating research um, in the field of, of psychophysics, which is really about how we perceive reality based on sensory input. So you can't think of sound apart from all the other senses as well. We have research where, you know, you can match Certain sounds with scent, sounds with taste, certainly when we think about you know visuals and thinking about congruency there, even the design of a product itself and thinking about how to pro- how a product looks, how would we translate that into sound that's congruent because when we do that and we make those associations with sight, sense the, our sense of smell um, with uh, with sound. With haptics or or textures, if we get that congruency and that through point, all the research shows is there's there's an explosion um, in the customer experience. We're drawn to those kind of congruent experiences.
1: Well, I feel like using the senses is like the more the most sincere representation you can do because it's actually drawing upon a person's like. I don't even know what the right word is, but psyche, their, their body, their, their cellular level, their, it's, it's not just like this external experience. It it goes internally into you.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're, we're kind of tapping into, you know, kind of probably some ancient, uh, evolutionary things around sound and why in terms of this idea of cross-modalism or our senses crossing that we we talk about sound very often in different kind of, of uh, languages. You know, we talk about high pitches and low pitches, which is very spatial, and yet we understand what we mean by that. We might taste something or hear a piece of music and say, Oh, that sounds sweet. And we're describing the, the music in in flavor components. And all the research does is kind of dissect that a little bit and help us understand: well, what does sweet? really sound like. And if we understand that, we can use sound to prime our brains, if you will, and magnify certain flavors. We've done a lot of work in this field as well, where we're kind of shaping your perception of flavor uh, by what we're putting in your ears and not not just by what we're putting in your mouth.
1: Yeah. I think that that would be a a great segue to um talking about a recent project that you guys at or that you at Pandora uh were experiment not experimenting with but it sounded like you were successful with with Propel water.
0: Can yes. you describe
1: what that that situation was that case study? Sure.
0: And um and you're absolutely right. It, it is, there was experimentation in, involved. <laughs> um but you know Propel came to us uh, and they were looking for a unique activation around their brand um, that involved sound. And we wanted to do something that was a little bit more than just, well, you know, how do we come up with a with a playlist for their event? What could we do that was even more interesting? So we decided to, you know, kind of look at the flavor components of uh, the Propel vitamin water. And essentially, there's, there's two flavors that you're aware of. Um, one is obviously the fruit flavor that they use, which tends to bring a lot of sweetness in the taste. And then the other are the electrolytes. I mean, that's the the value of the water, particularly as you're working out. Um, you know, your, your body needs these electrolytes. Uh, a, a huge component of electrolytes is sodium, which is salt. And there's a flavor component to that. So we wanted to play with this idea of cross-modalism and could we impact the flavor of propel with soundscapes that were designed to bring out the flavor of the fruit or the flavor of the electrolytes. So we worked with um, a researcher friend of mine, who's now at the department of food science at our house university. Um, and uh, we teased out um, the first experiment uh, was through a survey exposure to different sound elements, trying to tease out what we call the sonic seasonings uh, in terms of pitch, frequency, white noise, um, tempo, rhythm, uh, all of these building blocks, uh, what people would tend to kind of naturally associate with uh, saltiness. Uh, and then we use the uh, learnings from that research and created a sonic soundscape, which we then tested in a lab with individuals as they were exposed to a number of different soundscapes, drinking Propel that we had modified in in different ways to either accentuate sweetness or or saltiness. And the outcome of all of that was we wound up with a soundtrack that um, through the research we knew could impact perception of sweetness, and another soundtrack that we knew would emphasize the electrolytes or this flavor of salt. And then we built an app. We called it Flavor DJ. Um, <laughs> it looked like a, an app with a, a, a fader on it, like a DJ might use between um, you know, two turntables. And we had the two soundscapes running simultaneously. And so consumers at the event would, would come into a special area we had set up with these iPods um they would grab some propel and as they were drinking the propel they'd have headphones on and they could move the fader towards electrolytes or move the fader towards the fruit and it was amazing just to see the look on at on people's faces you know it's like mm. again i talked about this magic uh it's like it's magical I, I taste the difference what's going on and you know not everyone responded to oh it i i taste the the sodium more in the electrolytes it was more for most of the folks that they experienced um, a decrease in the sweetness as a result of the electrolyte soundtrack. So it was a great conversation starter. The brand could talk about um, the electrolytes. We could talk about you know the the power of this blend. We could talk about natural phenomenon that's happening uh, and and ways that they could even uh, apply some of this research in their lives and in health settings. So that's just an example of how we kind of combined the science and the art to create an interesting experiential piece that was sonically driven.
1: It's, uh, this is a total you know off-the-cuff thought, but I wonder if, because, I mean, as you and I know, uh, music can heal at a cellular level, and I wonder if you could find a soundtrack for somebody that has maybe like um, – uh oh gosh, what was I thinking of? You know, if they have like elevated blood sugar or something, if you could find a track that could make it lower their uh, sweetness in their body. I don't know. I, I don't know if that's a thing.
0: No, well, actually, actually it is a thing. I mean, it's like, it's, it's uh, a natural connection of the, the dots there and you did it immediately. Last October, Um, I published some research with Charles Spence, who's Mm -hmm. head of the Cross-Modal Research Laboratory at Oxford University. And the title of the paper was um, Medicine's Melodies. And what Charles and I were looking at were um, how music, soundscapes, and noise have an impact on health and wellness in healthcare settings. Uh, So one of the things that we looked at was experience, the patient experience. Uh, and how it affected that. But we also, you know, looked at all the research around how sound can affect outcomes. And one of the things that we talk about is this idea from a nutritional standpoint, how we might use sound to encourage people to eat more if uh, if we need to do that, to kind of increase their um, caloric intake. Uh, and we also mentioned um, diabetic patients. And again, the fact that if we need to cut sweetness out of something, uh, certainly there are all kinds of, of uh, substitutes that have been created from a flavor perspective that that are additive. But um, could we do this even in a natural way, just through soundtracks that kind of heighten this perception of, of sweetness? Working with cancer patients who have uh, very often because of treatments like chemotherapy, it has an impact on their sensory systems. And so can we use uh, sound to to hack that in a different way and perhaps bring flavor and pleasure back to an experience of food that can sometimes be lost because of the chronic treatment? So you're absolutely right. And I'm particularly fascinated in how we can use what we're learning Uh, you know, from a brand and and marketing perspective in a way that's purposeful and meaningful and is beyond just selling something. It's about bringing something that's of value to an individual's life or to a, a, a community and treating it as a sonic intervention, if you will, in those cases.
1: I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Sound and Marketing. Check back next week for part two of my interview with Steve Keller of Pandora. You're not gonna wanna miss it. You can also follow and subscribe to the Sound and Marketing podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Stitcher. And don't forget to share it with your friends. For inquiries on producing and developing your own podcast or for inquiries on Sonic branding and Sonic branding consultation availabilities, you can find me at Dreamer Productions. That's D-R-E-A-M-R Productions.com, LinkedIn and Facebook. You can also email me at Gina J-E-A-N-N-A at DreamerProductions.com. All links will be provided in the show notes. This episode was produced by Dreamer Productions and hosted, written, and edited by me, Gina Aisha. Let's make this world of sound more intriguing, more unique, and more and more on brand.